I'm on to a winner, Heather. I'm happy. Wants are unlimited, but resources always limited. So how do you distribute your limited resources between your competing and potentially unlimited wants to achieve a fulfilling outcome for your life? That is what we figure out on The Money Spot. Welcome to The Money Spot, the place where we answer your money questions. In this week's episode, I'm going to interview John, my friend, on how he lives his life. He has achieved lean fire, which means if he stopped working completely today, he could live at a very subsistence level without needing to work pretty much indefinitely. But what is more interesting is that he's managed to live on less than £7,000 a year since 2009. That's when he started tracking and he lived on less from before then as well. He graduated in 2005 with me and he took some time to figure himself out and he's basically latched onto a way of life that suits him and which he enjoys and that's what we're going to cover today. Yeah, so this is going to be a really fun episode because I have a guest and podcasts with a guest are always a lot more fun than podcasts where I'm just speaking to myself. Episodes. I don't know why I call episodes podcasts. Anyhow, my friend JB, or John, as we're going to call him, um, lives a very interesting life. He's been my friend for well over 20 years now. And he has managed to spend an average of £6,630 per annum since 2009 living in London, which makes him a very curious person. Like, how do you do this? I know how he's done it. And I'd like him to share with my friends how he's done it. Now, John, before we go into the ins and outs of how you spend your money, what would you like people to know about you? I mean, the first thing I want to tell people is that he's not miserable. He's not leading a miserable <laughs> life because people are there thinking, what a saddle. I want to go out and spend money. John is really content in himself. He's one of the happiest p people I know. Like when we were in Cambridge, um, if I wanted to chill and I didn't really want to do work, JB and our friend DJ were the people I went to, you know, <laughs> <coughs> because they would uh, be up for chilling out just like I like to chill out. So, yeah, he's very balanced. Yeah, go ahead. What, what, is there anything you, you, you think people should know about you before we start I don't know. Personal not, finance questions. Not particularly. Okay. I've, I've, like you say, we met each other a long time ago. We stayed friends the whole time. We've lived very different lives. We spent very different amounts of money and enjoy life in different ways. But yeah, we're quite similar. We're both happy people and it's a different life, work life balance for both of us. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that people want to know when you spend this little is housing housing is expensive in london yeah how can you live on six thousand six hundred let's just call it seven thousand a year living in london people are spending that on four months of rent yeah yeah so i'm very lucky um part of it's luck and part of it is choice mm. so <clears throat> even before the place i live now i lived in another place where i paid similarly low rent so i spend just under 300 pounds a month on rent mm. 
and the place I used to live, I was a residential volunteer. Mm -hmm. So I volunteered six hours a week for this charity, mm. and in return I got much cheaper rent. And that was also, mm. that was even more central London. And how much was that rent when you were volunteering? About the same. I can't remember because it was <clears throat> about 15 years ago. Mm. So, Well, I've known you a long time and I recall £240 or thereabout being a kind of number you've thrown at me. So it might have could, been thereabout. Could well be. Um, yeah. And that was a long time ago, so it's probably more now. Mm. Certainly would be. Mm. Um, and where I live now, it's about £300 a month. Mm. Um, the place I live now is a housing co-op. Mm -hmm. which means that all the people who live there equally own the properties, mm. uh, but we can't profit from that. So I can't sell my share or my ownership mm. onto someone else. Mm -hmm. But while I'm living there, I'm responsible as a tenant, but also as an owner mm. or, or the landlord. Mm. So um, not all housing co-ops can offer cheap rent. Mm. It's partly to do with the fact that this one's been around a long time. And so we've paid off the mortgage mm. and the running costs that's the only bit we need to pay the rent to cover. Mm. Um, so that's how that works. Mm. Um, but it was very much a choice to search out accommodation that was as cheap as possible and also that was communal. For me, a lot of the things about my lifestyle, I've prioritised things other than, or specifically other than consumption, other mm. than buying things. Mm -hmm. I think I understood from a young age that that wasn't what was going to make me happy. Mm. Um, that it was about the quality of the friendships and relationships that I made. Mm. And it was also about having freedom. Mm. So I didn't ever want to have a boss. Mm. And just two years ago, I actually had a boss for the first time. Mm. Um, but he's your friend. He's actually my very good friend who used to live in the same housing co-op as me. Mm. Um, and so... Doesn't have that same domineering effect. Definitely not. Mm. Um, it feels very collaborative and... He's very nice guy, respectful, etc. Some people would say if you don't want to have a boss, then you can be your own boss and run a business. Absolutely. But That's you, how... it, from my experience of running a business, the customer becomes your boss. Yeah. <laughs> but how do you see that? Like, the... why wouldn't I know you to be one of the most intelligent people? Why wasn't was I don't think that was anything ever that you explored. Is there a reason? So I didn't run my own business and, as you say, potentially feel like beholden to the customer who you know I've got to meet all their needs all the time and feel like I'm on call mm. um, I was much more you know at the more pretentious end you'd say I was some kind of consultant or you know I was working the hours that I chose mm. um, actually it was much more like just doing different things that made money at different times mm. often things I could just do as and when I wanted to mm. on my laptop. So mm. um, I used to do something called sports arbitrage betting, mm. which is probably easier for you to just look up online yeah. if you're interested. I mean, how, how much would you earn from that in about a year? Because what I can see is if you're spending 6600 on living, it looks like 3600 has gone mostly on rent, something between 3000 and 3600 depending on where the rent has been, yeah. which means 3000 is your cost of living and that has to be coming from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's true that by separating it like that, you're highlighting that it's possible that the cost of housing could have been covered by something else. Mm. And for some period, mm. fairly short period, I was actually claiming housing benefit. Mm. So that covered the, the rent part. And All the, of it? Uh, I believe so. 
Uh, it was a long time ago, mm. um, but that's certainly an option. Mm. Um, obviously, there's universal credit now. Mm. Um, but m the vast majority of the time, I've not been on benefits. I've just covered mm -hmm. all of that spending and actually more. I've been saving mm. su substantial amounts because mm. with that level of total spending, you know, if let's say you, you're earning £10,000 in a year total, mm. that's giving you 3000 of savings. Yeah. Um, when I want to come back to earnings before we move from housing associations. Some people might be sitting there. Sorry, housing co-ops. Um, housing associations are something different which people can mm -hmm. look up. Um, people will be wondering, how can I get into something like that? Obviously, the one you live in is for single people only. Mm -hmm. uh, married people can't live there. How do people go about finding this? Like before I knew you, I didn't even know that other than private rent, there is this other option like private rent or getting cheap rent from the local council. Where do people even start looking for this? So Google, I guess you would you would look for things like um, cheap rent options in London mm. and you might look for um, it might not be that London is the best. I mean, it's almost certainly not the best place to find cheap rent. It's probably the worst place in the country. Mm. Um, I was very lucky to find out about this particular cart that was particularly cheap and apply and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, in general, I would imagine that co-ops are a bit cheaper than private rented, but mm. um, it all depends how long they've been going and what their running costs are and things like that. Mm. Um, but there are other kinds of intentional community where you might work part of the time mm. at the place. So you could imagine uh, certain workers co-ops, which might have to ha housing associated as well, which might run at some kind of farm. And so you might work some of the time for the housing, for the workers co-op and you get your accommodation very cheap. There's lots of other jobs where the property comes with the job. Um, we mentioned the other day things like being like a groundsman at a school or if you're like vicars or there, there's various things where... Occupation comes with the with accommodation. The yeah, that's right. Mm. Now, there's a big downside of that, which is if you lose your job, you lose your house. So yeah. it's it's a risky in that in that sense. Mm. Um, but there are various things where those two things are, are tied together. Mm. Um and also, like I said, this idea of being a residential volunteer. So you're volunteering for a charity and you're able to live there as well. So mm. it's not an option that's open to sort of half the population. There's just mm. not that many um, of these op opportunities around. But mm. if it's something that interests you, certainly you can look for these alternative living arrangements. Mm. Um, and you'll be potentially living with other people. And that's been something that I particularly focused on was wanting... A community. A community, yeah. And, yeah. and like-minded people, you know. Mm. It's a certain sort, sort of person who wants to like spend their time volunteering for a charity. Mm. Um, Would you say the majority of people who live in housing co-ops, housing associations, are left-leaning? Housing associations tend to be much broader. Mm. They're open to a large proportion of the population mm. under a certain like means testing, usually. Mm. Um, my guess is that there's several million people living in housing association accommodation in the country whereas housing co-ops are much smaller um, mm. and they come in different shapes and sizes yeah. some of them are bigger and they primarily take um, people in need of social housing mm. who are on a waiting list with the council mm. um, that's probably a majority of, of housing co-ops so there'd be a minimum income like if you earn more than this you can't have a housing association accommodation 
I'm not 100% sure with housing associations, yeah. but a lot of housing co-ops, yes. Ah. Um, then you also get housing co-ops which are set up. How do they check how much you earn? They ask you to give pay slips? Because I know you guys recently interviewed three people to take up rooms in your in my house. house. Yeah. yeah. Our co-op does not work on that basis. Yeah. We, we're free to take whoever we want. We're not mm. drawing people from the council waiting list yeah. of housing need. Mm. Um, but that will be people who've applied to the council and they will have to jump through various hoops mm. um, to prove how much housing need they're in. And, mm. you know, there's, there's a massive shortage because of the housing crisis. And mm. so, unfortunately, lots of people will be on those waiting lists for a long time. Mm. Um, I've heard 18 years is not unrealistic before you're getting a call. It depends a lot on what category you get put into. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if the if you're deemed to be not pri- priority a, a case... A pregnant woman is higher priority than a young, fit lad who is able to work, basically. Quite. I am definitely a young, fit lad, Heather. <laughs> very able to work. And I choose not to do very much work. Yeah. Because, as I said, my priority was always to have more freedom and specifically more free time yeah. to go on long walks and listen to podcasts and meet friends and exercise and um just what you choose what i choose when i choose it Mm. um so the work i do now i work the equivalent of two days a week Mm. but i spread that time fairly evenly and i do it when i want to Mm. so although i'm like logging in every day pretty much Mm. i'm doing a couple of hours at a time yeah and if i want to the other day I did 10 hours in one day mm. it was completely exhausting I'm not used to working that hard at all mm. but it's fine I can be flexible like that when, I, when mm. I'm needed and then have a couple of days off or mm. whatever so mm. and I'm jumping around a little bit but mm. um, no that's good you've actually segued into the next category which is income mm-hmm. um, we obviously graduated in 2005 right it's now 2023 that's been 18 years um you, you generally haven't earned very much, which is incredible because despite not earning very much, you save over half of what you earn. Can you give a figure for the minimum you've earned in any one year and the maximum, if you know that? I have got Cause, no cause, idea. Because that doesn't pin it to any specific year, but it can be like, you know what? Um, in one year, I didn't earn very much. I earned 6K. In another year, um, I earned 15K. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be specific, but... If you don't have that statistic, no, I don't. It's okay, I, I don't. I never actually really tracked my income. Mm. I track my spending quite closely, mm. um, which is why I was able to give you those numbers about how much I spent on rent versus other things. Mm. Um, but but the, you track the, the saving, so I don't track the, the saving. All I track is like yeah. my net worth. So uh, because yeah. that's a weird mixture of the savings that I'd accrued already in life, mm-hmm. they, that gets added to every year by what I'm saving in that year. Mm. Plus, because most of it is invested mm. in a broad stock market portfolio, mm. um, that's going to go up and down significantly in a year. So it's not unusual for, for how much money I have at the end of the year mm-hmm. to be significantly higher or significantly lower. And it's mm. mostly based on stock market the stock market numbers. performance because I've been saving and adding to that and, in, and it's been reinvested for many years. I've got so, a very good question then for you. Yeah. You obviously would have had some student loans Mm-hmm. And at the time you were a student, uh, tuition was about 3K per annum. Correct. Now, the threshold for paying back student loans is about 25, 27K or thereabouts. Can I safely assume that you've never reached that threshold? That's right. So yeah. I've never paid any of my student loan back. Yeah, because you've never reached the threshold. Yeah. Mm. And it's perfectly likely I never will, because I believe there's some kind of 30 year or something like that. I think at age 70. 
it oh, really? yeah or something like that your liability towards it falls away i don't yeah. think it's a fixed 30 years i think it's a specific age okay. but i might be mixing up my u.s knowledge and my uk knowledge because mm-hmm. i listen to a lot of podcasts on both but yeah. okay so yeah we can basically say john has never earned enough to pay back a student loan however and in most years i haven't i haven't earned enough to pay any tax at all mm. so yeah the, the Partly because the earnings that I made from the betting companies mm-hmm. um, a quirk in UK tax law, which I don't particularly agree with, is that all... Gambling earnings are not taxable. Exactly. Yeah. So that all counts as gambling earnings. And so I never had to declare any of that. Mm. Um, and then when I, I used to work in an after school club mm. doing play work with kids, mm. that was 10 hours a week. Mm. Not only much. in term time. So that didn't earn enough to pay tax there. Mm. Recently, I've become... Um, the finance officer at a charity doing these two he's an two fd y'all he's an fd i don't know what that is <laughs> finance director okay yeah you, you played down by saying finance officer but you're an f you, you're, the, you're the top finance guy in the I'm organization the only finance guy in the yeah huge massive charity Chief financial officer hello yeah <laughs> with a staff of 12 mm. um yeah exactly um it's actually 13 now mm. it's very exciting so I do now earn enough to pay tax mm. and um, national insurance. And mm. I've always... Um, Is it the first year where you're reaching those thresholds? I think last year. Was the first year. Yeah, but I've yet to pay my tax because... Of the delay. Flow. Yeah. 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 Um, makes sense to wait until... January the 31st is the deadline. Yeah, and they're going to make you put in a payment on account probably, which mm-hmm. means you pay half of the amount for next year. They would if I'd paid tax the year before. Uh, okay. I haven't even reached that system yet where they, as you say, in July, yeah. is your interim payment you have to make. Yeah. Um, so on the income side, I couldn't tell you how much I've saved each year. I think you've told us enough. Basically, um, we can summarize it as uh, you've not earned enough to start paying back your student loan. So definitely below 20K. But actually, you haven't earned enough to pay any tax at all. So most mostly year, yeah. below 8K, 8 or 9K. Correct. Uh, but because your spending is really kept tight, you're probably saving, you know, three to maybe 10K per annum. I'd, I'd probably it's high on the upper side, but a good proportion of what's come in. And the, the reason that that math adds up is because of that tax-free money from the betting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, and it would be very different in different years. And um, the spending is much more consistent than the income. Mm. There would probably be be years where I earned less than I spent. Mm. But because I had such large savings, mm. that wasn't a problem for me. Mm. My spending is very um, separated in my mind from my income Yeah, uh, in a way that most people it's not. So if they start earning more money, they'll spend more mm. uh, and vice versa. It has some small effect on me, but I've always, you know, I think a lot of the things about my lifestyle are choices Mm. but there's also a certain amount of kind of luck i don't want to say genetic luck but a combination of whatever genetics and upbringing means that i've always been prone towards saving Mm. i've always tended to appreciate the money i have more than what i could buy with it in the short term Mm. because i can save up for a bigger thing in the future Mm. i feel more security and Mm. confidence in that having that money having that those savings allows me yeah to to live the lifestyle i do because yeah. i know that if i lose my job 
that's fine. I can afford Your life does not depend on the job. In yeah. fact, what I've calculated is, and we're not going to talk net worth values here because nobody needs to hear that. But based on how you spend, if you follow the 4% rule on the investments you've got, you'd have enough. Yes. So yeah. you could say that I'm already financially free. Yeah, you're fire. In terms of lean, fire. Lean fire. Lean fire. That's my middle name, Heather. <laughs> um, I only learned the term lean fire a week ago from Heather's blog. <laughs> Highly recommended. Check it out on LinkedIn. Thank you. Um, and yes, that that's very much what I have ended up doing without knowing that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, it's not like I... You don't have to call something a name for it to be done, yeah. basically. Yeah. And I'm... I'm not going to choose to stop earning money just because I've reached this, you know, situation yeah. where I could live off my investments. Yeah. You're doing work you kind of enjoy, so it's not linked. Yeah. And as you alluded to, my lifestyle is, I'm very happy with it, but mm -hmm. it is quite constrained. Mm. Um, I virtually never eat out or go to the pub. I don't have any caring responsibilities. I'm single. And so... No cinema, no theatre. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So the you thing, said you eat out once every two months or so, no more. All, all those types of activities, mm. I will do them from time to time mm. because I can afford to. It's fine. I don't need to worry about affording to. But they're not programmed. It's not like, oh, two not, months has passed since I went not to a restaurant. All. And it's just not a regular thing. Mm. Um, so if someone suggests, let's go eat out. Like I've got friends who suggest to eat out yeah. every week. Usually I am that friend. Mm -hmm. What do you say? Oh, let's just cook together. Yeah, I guess a lot of my friends know that I'm not that I'm less likely to say yes to eating out. Mm. Sometimes I'll say yes. Mm -hmm. um, as you say, sometimes I'll suggest, well, why don't you come over and I'll cook? Mm. Um, or I love like picnics or things like that where like we go somewhere. We share our food together. Or, yeah, that's... You still enjoy the company exactly. without the cost. I'll go to their house and I'll bring food and we just both have food together. Um, yeah. It's more intimate. You, you know, you're preparing food together. It's really nice. Like, that's what I enjoy. You're right. I do enjoy picnics and things like that. But also sometimes I'm just lazy and I want to eat out. Mm -hmm. But what I've actually discovered is... We had a period where we had a financial fast for about a year and a half or so to buy this house. Mm. And not eating out was going to be the hardest thing for me. But I found that the more we didn't eat out, the less I wanted to eat out. Mm. To the extent that Harry would be like, let's eat out. And I'd be like, nah, let's just cook at home. So I think it is a thing that you can get out of your system. Right. Yeah. The more, the more you eat out, the more you want to eat out. The less you eat out, the less you want to eat out. Yeah, that's certainly the case for me. Like, mm. I... I'm just not used to those sorts of things. Mm. And and the pleasure that you get when you eat out isn't so intense absolutely. that it's enough for you to start absolutely. eating I mean, up I'd, your savings. I'd love to share my little theory of like luxury goods and consumption. Like I know your little theory. We're not going to cover it in that okay. podcast, this this episode. But we might do it next time. Special treats are very special if you keep them special. That sums it up, Heather. No, oh yeah, it's true. You know, I had a friend in banking who ate at Michelin restaurants pretty much every day. And it wasn't special for him of anymore. Course. It was just like, yeah, whatever. But it certainly cost him a lot of money. <laughs> it did. He, he he was always in debt. Yeah. So anyway, what I've what I'm hearing from you is that in terms of hobbies, most of your hobbies are free hobbies. Uh things that don't require money, mm -hmm. but generally things that require 
company or learning just some enjoyment of time you take a real pleasure from taking time to enjoy something and you know you know something i've noticed about you mm -hmm. is that you're not you're never in a rush like i feel i don't enjoy my children as much as i should you probably enjoy more quality time with my children <laughs> in the three days you come here than i do in the whole year like when they're doing things that i wouldn't have patience for I'd just be like let me do it you're like there patiently waiting for them yeah no no do it like this and i'm like i'm ready to shoot myself already right now. <laughs> okay like let's just get it done you know yeah. so i think when you slow your life right down you enjoy the small moments even better also if i had kids all the time i'm sure i wouldn't have anything like that patience i'm sure you're, you're, yeah, you're exhausted is, after three days exactly, aren't you? <laughs> yeah a lot of it is the fact that it's three days yeah. like oh the fun uncle john's here yeah let's do that and then yeah. But absolutely I think that's true about a lot of things in my life like mm. people look at me w washing up and they're like oh my god you're so slow <laughs> I eat slower than most people yeah yeah and I, I do have you take a life slower at a pace of, yeah yeah and so I'm a lot less stressed mm. um are you stressed at all the things that stress me out might be things in relationships so like this particular friend's having a hard time and I'm feeling you know stressed for them or mm. I'm like trying to support too many people maybe mm. or you know because the, the co-op it's relatively small rooms and it's a big shared house. Mm. If you're living with seven other people, mm. you're sharing one kitchen. Yeah. There's only one shower. Yeah. I mean, there's three toilets, but you know. It... Oh, there's only one shower for the eight people? Yeah. I thought there were three showers. No, no. Oh, no, there's one shower, but there's also a bathroom. Yeah. So there's a yeah. bath, a shower, and then like the, three the third toilet just has a sink in it. Yeah. And generally people prefer showering to bathing, I assume. Yeah. So there's competition. It's not, it's not a, the lack of lots of showers is not a particular stress in my house, but mm. just that sense of like you're kind of all on top of each other and keeping things clean and like those cause stress you yeah know, lots of things it's not that there's no stress in my life but mm. um that that would cause stress in my life i mean i only live with three other people and i'm constantly stressed by the rate at which they create mess yeah but obviously they're not all adults <laughs> yeah one thing i wanted to add though is just yeah. that choosing to prioritize having free time helps in two ways one is that lots of the things that people spend money on is to save time Mm. so eating out takeaways cleaner um, gardener all, yeah all those things that so it saves lots of money if you just have the time to do it yourself and then mm. you can do it in your own way and you can listen to your podcast and whatever and you're, you're... but you know what i also take pleasure in employing people like part of the reason i've never had I'll that keep... pleasure heather yeah <laughs> part of the reason i keep like my personal trainer mm -hmm. and the various people that help me you know continue working is that I'm like, you know what? I'm providing an income to someone else. And you know what? I've got a, enough excess income that I don't need it all for myself. Absolutely. So, yeah, I like that. And I think it's because my dad, who was a businessman his whole life, impressed upon me the need to employ. You know, mm -hmm. it keeps mm -hmm. the economy going. Yeah, yeah. If everyone lived like John, no economy is going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly true that if everyone lived my lifestyle... Or should I say no economy is going anywhere? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It, it would would be a, it'd be a radically different... Uh, economic setup mm. i'm not gonna propose what it would look like yeah but the other thing i wanted to say is that oftentimes if you listen to you know rich successful business person talking about their secrets of success or these sorts of things mm. from time to time you'll hear them step back from the money and the luxury and one of the things they'll talk about is health mm. and another one is time mm. and they say that one thing the great equalizer we've all got the same amount of time mm. and I am enjoying my time in a way lots of those people don't because mm. they're working all day and 
but some of them really enjoy their work. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of people really enjoy their work. And if, but, if your job really is something that, you know, you find satisfying and yeah. challenging and interesting and you're growing yeah. and learning, building relationships with yeah. people, wonderful. And, but let's be honest, it's not going to be most people. If I'm a manual yeah. worker, I'd probably not rather, I'd rather not be doing that maybe. Unless I'm some artisan, you're stuck, you if know? you're stuck in an office and your boss is always telling you what to do and they don't really care and you're or you're in middle management and you, you know, yeah, the nonsense is rolling downhill to you and you have to like do that to the, your subordinates and like yeah, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, I I worked in an office to, as an internship mm. and it was a seven week internship. Yeah, that was enough to, for me to be like, yeah, I don't ever want to work for a big organisation. Mm. <clears throat> I was actually working for the government. Yeah, yeah, in the department department for health um the yeah. government economic service like yeah being a government servant, cultures yeah. can be cu- quite cutthroat which people don't realize well in the, Whereas UK, the bit i saw was yeah. just it was just sort of lazy and incompetent and oh, it was really? just it was boring and mm. yeah i was like right i'm just gonna keep doing my own thing yeah. and when you set your mind to okay i need to make money mm. not loads of money but enough money mm-hmm. i looked at all sorts of schemes before i came across this betting thing mm. you know like online poker and you know taking surveys online and you know there's lots of these things that tell you that you can make money from them mm. and maybe you can and maybe you can't you need to mm. be very diligent in like reading all the terms and conditions working out what can go wrong mm. trying it out in a way that's free or with a very small amount of risk to mm. your own money mm. some people they might want to you know trade foreign forex and bitcoin or whatever right mm. that might work for some people mm. i'm not recommending it here because yeah. it does not work for a lot of people yeah. but Whatever and even the betting thing you did required a fair amount of admin and intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and discipline. Yeah, Because I would not recommend that because the whole point of the, what I was doing was hedging all the bets so I wasn't taking any risk. Mm. But the whole thing is set up to try and get you to addi- lose money. addicted to gambling. So Once you, you start taking risk with your money and you're excited when you win and, you, and yeah. you're annoyed when you lose, that's gambling and mm. that's it's very addictive and you're going to lose money in the long run otherwise casinos and bookmakers wouldn't be in business so exactly yeah be very careful about know yourself and know your limits and do your homework so let's explore the spending a bit more we've covered housing the next big thing for people is food mm-hmm. we've covered that you don't eat out a lot mm-hmm. now you spend per month on you know food about 80 pounds mm-hmm. um excluding the odd eating out how do you keep it so low like 80 pounds is like 20 pounds a week odd yeah. and my house spends a week not 20 pounds probably in the order of 120 pounds for us four mm-hmm. it used to be in the range of 90 to 100 since the costs have gone up food wise we, we're going on to 120 130 yeah every single week and your house of four but two of them are children one of them eats like an adult though. okay fair <laughs> um yeah but how do you keep it low? Yeah, so i used to spend quite a lot less mm. um which is partly just inflation but mm. also um i used to choose things that were almost always the cheapest Mm. whereas I eat a lot more healthily now Mm. so I eat lots of salads and um that's the no meat you don't eat meat I don't eat meat which is quite expensive it is yeah you don't buy alcohol don't buy alcohol yeah do you buy drinks at all not really no tonic water no fizzy water no okay occasionally I'll buy one of those things yeah yeah but but almost always standard yeah I don't drink tea and coffee and so tell us a typical day of food for you <laughs> breakfast cereal i so i do it intermittent fasting so i only eat during an eight hour window so i tend to only have two meals a day which is lunch and dinner for you yes um mm. and so i might have a big bowl of salad and for lunch let's say for lunch yeah mm. and some 
like loads of peanuts or like I like eating nachos with hummus. Mm. Um, and then I might also for dinner, I might have like a bit like a big bowl of cereal and I often eat yogurt with fruit and granola. Pastas? I, I don't cook very often. So mm-hmm. yeah, I will, we'll, if we cook together as a household, so mm. we'll do that maybe once a week or so, mm. um, or I go to a friend's house mm. um, or someone comes around, I'll cook for them. Mm. Um, yeah, I'll cook like noodles mm. with, you know, cashews and, and stir fry veg or yeah, like a... Mm. So the reason I'm asking this, and I know you're thinking, oh, Heather's going really nitty gritty. All from Lidl. That's the answer. It's a shop in Lidl, buy stuff cheap. I want people to realize you're not eating some kind of weird diet, you know. No, no. You're eating normal food that normal people eat, and it's not like really unhealthy food to keep it cheap. You eat a healthy diet. I'm not not buying like one pound pizzas and having that every day, and then, you know, white bread and butter or something. No. Yeah. Pretty healthy. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. as you know, I'm rushing to the airport, so I think we should cover two more things. Mm-hmm. One is transport, and the second is holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Transport-wise, you don't have a car, so but you must spend something on transport. On average, in a year, like what what, what trips are we making? I, I know you told me you spend like your last month was like twenty five pounds on trains and buses. Mm-hmm. Is it just moving around around London usually? Is it more often? I'm visiting friends out of London. Mm. The friends I have in London are all I'll often walk because mm. I love walking. Mm. Um, so even a friend who's like a two hour walk away, mm. I won't walk both ways, mm. but I'll often walk one way. Yeah. Get the bus one way and then walk back. Mm. Um, just because that's how I'd like to spend two hours of my day is walking, listen to podcasts anyway. Mm. So I may as well do it on the way to see my friend. Mm. Um, and two hours passes fast, fast if you're enjoying two or three episodes of a podcast yeah yeah i mean and especially if you listen on two and a half times speed like <laughs> <laughs> um and the the rest of the travel yeah it's coming up to see you in birmingham heather or it's oh. um visiting mm. my parents down in brighton mm. or visiting other friends my mm. sister lives in another city so um yeah i'm definitely prioritizing like spending quality time with my friends and mm. family so that's i never th- sort of scrimp on the cost of travel mm. to see people because mm. that's a priority is spending quality time yeah. with those people. So. But because you've got options between train and coach, you, you can take a coach which is like mm-hmm. much cheaper than, than say a train Quite. Um, and just enjoy the time. Exactly. So coming to see you took us an hour longer, saved me 10 or 20 pounds by getting the coach. Mm. No brainer for me. Yeah. Mm. More time to listen to podcasts. Simple. Yeah. yeah. And holidays. People think you've never been on holiday, but... You've told me that you've been to, since 2009, Bali, Galapagos Islands, India, Turkey, twice to Turkey, mm-hmm. Europe a few times. Just in brief, how, how can you travel that much on that budget? Like, how, how do you do it? So the average spend across that period that you quoted includes all those costs. Mm. So these, I'm, because of inflation, I'm probably spending the same amount now, mm. but I'm not doing the holidays. Mm. So some of those, most of those holidays are between sort of five and 10 years ago. Mm. Um, I had a period of traveling more. Mm-hmm. Um, do one you, of those do trips, you stay in hostels or do you have friends you stay with? So looking at those, say five big trips there, mm. um, two of them were to stay with someone who either lived in the country or had a property there. Mm. So my accommodation was basically free. Mm. Um, 
India, and though, we stayed in a hotel. We went together India, on that trip. Yeah, we yeah. stayed in a hotel. So you paid for that, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and the same with Bali and one of the Turkey trips. Mm. Um, and and we weren't staying in a cheap hotel. We are staying no, in a no, nice hotel. That was expensive holiday, <laughs> though. That was, yeah. You pulled out all the stops. Yeah, but yeah. But you, you shared a room with someone on the Actually, you shared a room with two people. Well, so yeah. it might have made it a bit cheaper by yeah. sharing with two of our friends. Mm. It was probably a double room with, with an DJ? extra room in there. DJ and someone else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so that was that was a really nice, you know. It was, that it was, was a nice holiday. It was a great holiday for someone's wedding um, yeah. in India, and yeah, it's like a one-off thing. Mm. Like um, I also had a membership to a very like the Posh's Hotel in Brighton, mm. the spa there. How much were you paying for that membership? That was about eighty-five pounds a month. Mm. So compared to my other spending, it was a massive chunk of our spending. Eighty-five pounds a month you paid every month. Yeah. To this place. Yeah. Actually, I think it was a bit less. I think it was mm. more at seventy, mm. and maybe went up to seventy-five. But mm. um, yeah, for that I got a hundred pounds worth of treatments every month, mm. and you know, use the spa whenever I want. Um, and it was just a treat yourself t- type of vibe. It was like I love relaxing and enjoying my time. Yeah. So basically, why aren't I making the most of relaxing, enjoying my time? Like yeah. this is the thing: a luxury spa, have all yeah. these crazy treatments and massages. I mean, that's almost going on a thousand pounds of that annual budget. Yeah. So you 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 are really keeping everything else tight to to you know afford this luxury. Um, Except it didn't feel like that. Yeah. It, it 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 it's never felt like I can only afford this thing if I keep everything else tight. Like yeah. that's just a habit. It's just, mm. and that's why I say there's some luck involved, whether it's genetic or, or life, you know, what mm. the world's brought up is like, it's never been about like, these, the, the other kids at school have got this thing, I must have this thing. Mm. Or, you know, I need to have the, the newest phone or the newest computer or mm. anything like that. You know, I tend to buy a secondhand laptop. Mm. It's a couple of years old and... Clothes, we haven't covered clothes. Clothes often come from other friends. Mm. I would say charity shops, but I don't even need to do that. Mm. Like... Um, Shoes. Shoes again, like they come from other friends mm. when they've done with them, or because most of us throw stuff away too quickly. Do you find that absolutely? Mm. So I will ask my friends occasionally, like, do you have any old old stuff that you want to get rid of? Or they know anyway. They know yeah, we we know. We just be like, John, do you want this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's great because from an environmental perspective, you aren't a winner. Yeah, absolutely. And because I'm living in this in this housing co-op, there's like a hundred of us, and that's very much the vibe as well. So someone. Mm. They don't like their old shoes or, you know, sometimes yeah. they even have these organized things where you bring your old clothes and yeah. swap. And so... And just so you understand, in his particular house, there's eight people, but the cop has several houses and on their estate, there's a hundred people. He's exactly, not living yeah. in a house with a hundred people no, no, fighting over right. space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, this has been fantastic, John. I wish we had more time together and I think people will really find this insightful and enjoyable. I mean, certainly I have. Is there any words you want to leave people with? In terms of, I mean, you've you've thrown so much, so many nuggets mm-hmm. of just wisdom. Any final words? I think that, like I say, I'm very aware that I'm very lucky to mm. be able to prioritize having free time and not being bothered by having a kind of minimalist lifestyle, mm. like not having lots of new stuff, not going out and spending lots of money on experiences. But that allowing, but with that freedom, mm. I can still enjoy those luxury things from time to time and. Mm treat myself to a you know a spa thing or and i go feel on a that nice you think your experience is rich enough in friendships and you know enjoying a picnic or a hike is you know it's an experience Absolutely. it's not another country but yeah what most of us want from a country visit is is to enjoy it with someone else yeah yeah 
exactly. So doing things that are fun and free and doing it with people I love. I'm on to a winner, Heather. I'm happy. Fantastic. So what are our takeaways from this discussion? You might have your own takeaways, but I have three main takeaways. The first is that there is an alternative to chasing ever higher incomes. John does not really think about how much he earns. He thinks about his spending and his net worth. He told us those are the only two things he tracks and he doesn't really care how much he earns. And even when he's offered additional hours of work, he's inclined to say no if it'll really eat into his free time. He, do, he He's known from an early age that he likes quality time, spending time with people, doing things that he wants to do and enjoys. And that's what suits his life. Which takes me to my second takeaway. And it's more about lifestyle design. A lot of us fall into living life the way our parents lived it uh, or the way we think society thinks we should be living it. But John shunned all that and he designed his own life according to what he likes. So he wants free time. He wants to spend time with people. He doesn't want to rush. And fortunately for him, the lure of spending, having fancy things is not really a big thing for him. He, he's happy to wear secondhand clothes. He's happy to cut meat from his budget. And by the way, he is not vegetarian. He just doesn't buy meat. So if he comes to your house and you serve him meat, he will eat meat. But by cutting it out of his budget, he keeps his spending lower and he doesn't love meat enough to miss it. So it actually has some health benefits as well and environmental benefits. The fact that he doesn't buy meat and he lives in social housing, which he doesn't mind and he enjoys. So based on what he realized from a young age, he enjoys free time. He created the things that he needed to do to release his time. And that can unlock a way of thinking for you. Like, how do you want to design your lifestyle and what sacrifices might you have to make in order to have that particular lifestyle? And finally, one that is a much broader takeaway is that conquering the cost of housing is really key to having a low cost of living. When I talk to people about their future plans and retirement and pensions, I always say that if you get only one thing right, it is to get on the property ladder and pay your property off because having a place to live that doesn't cost you a monthly amount uh, for rent or mortgage is really key to financial freedom in older age. Now, John's cost of living at £280 per month is so low that it is even lower than the cost of maintaining a paid off house. Um, but the compromise there is that he has to live with seven other people and that might not suit everyone. So I still think that conquering the cost of housing, keeping that low, maybe buying a smaller house, not having excess house, excess rooms, etc., will help you to keep your costs low, to unlock free time to use as you will. I really enjoyed talking to John. It's a shame that I was on my way to the airport and we only set aside 25 minutes to have the discussion and that was clearly not enough. We thought it would be, but it wasn't. And if there's more things you'd like me to ask John, 
me and him can catch up at some other time in the future and unlock those questions for you as well. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Oh, and John, happy birthday. It's your birthday week this week. Have a marvelous week. Goodbye.